him. And so, Lord, will you support his family, comfort them during this time, the initial shock and the, uh, the trauma that came with that? And will you just bless them, comfort them? Your spirit is the great comforter, and so will you wrap your arms around him or her, them and just love them? Lord, uh, I look forward to the day when we can be reunited with him. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys welcome Ben as he comes up to share with us tonight? Scott's right. When we talk about uh, those who know the Lord, when they when they breathe their last breath here, they take their first breath with the Lord. And it says in the Word that we grieve, but we grieve with hope. And uh, man, that's that's the truth. Doesn't make it simple. Doesn't make it something you can sweep under the carpet. But we have a hope, and that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about hope, and so we're going to do that. But my name is Ben. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm also in recovery for alcohol. Amen. Hey, you guys, let me pray for us. I know Scott did, but I'm going to pray for that God would be my mouthpiece today. Jesus, we come to you tonight with, with everything we got. And I was just reminded just uh, last hour that um, we all have hurts, we all have struggles, and we need you to work in our life. So would you do that? Would you do a work that only you can do this evening? Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Tonight we have the privilege to look at step two of the 12 steps. And step number two says this. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And it is a step of hope. And my prayer tonight, my, my hope, if you will, is that we would understand that through this step and really through the 12 steps, and I can't believe I'm gonna say this sentence right now, but I am. Uh, my hope is that our hope would move from a verb to a noun. And just saying that, I know school's almost done. My wife's a second grade teacher, and so whenever she talks school, I start going, ooh. Uh, but man, it, it's the truth. It's the truth, and I barely passed English, so I did my study, and I think on this, this topic, but uh, that's my hope, that it would move from a verb to a noun. Um, so just as a quick reminder, and I'm only gonna do a few minutes on this, verbs are action words, right? They're, they're a state of being words, like run, dance, jump, think. Therefore, um, as hope being a verb, we, we cherish a desire with great anticipation. And this time of year, I have two hopes every single day. You may not know this, but I have two of them. They center around the same thing. And those hopes are, number one, that the Giants win, and equally important, that the Dodgers lose. So yeah, that's an example of hope being used in verb form. Did someone say anything? Say something? I don't think so. All right. Step one of the 12-step process says that um, we finally admitted that our lives are unmanageable, okay? In the case of addiction and codependency, when we're talking about hope, we are hoping for sanity, a healthy mindset in life. And, and so in step one, it says that, man, our lives are unmanageable. In other words, our lives are insane, and as we learn the definition of insanity here at CR, it's repeating the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. 
So we hope for this sanity, and that's when we first admit that we are powerless, unable to do anything about our addiction or our control. And so we hopefully come to believe in a power that is greater than ourselves to restore us to that sanity. And that is when our hope begins to move from a verb to a noun, okay? And when speaking of hope as a noun, we are saying that a person or thing is the source of that hope. And I can't help but think of one great example that really exemplifies this more than any other in that, you know, it happened in a galaxy far, far away, but there's a gal that once said, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Okay, that's an example of our hope being placed in someone. In recovery, we are no longer hoping for sanity. We are placing our hope in someone. And that's what I hope takes place tonight. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. All right? My prayer and my experience here is exactly this at CR. My hope began to change from you know, just a desired outcome to the person of Jesus Christ. When I placed my hope in him, when I centered my life in him, things began to change in a dramatic way for me. And they began to make sense. I had some form of sanity, but I will admit that it's not a sanity that I thought would take place, but it was a sanity that he was designing in my life. And the beauty of Christ the beauty of God's plan of salvation is that when we place our hope in him, our entire life begins to change. It does. It happens all the time. And when we place our faith in him, we experience sanity, sanity as he sees it. It's an incredible step. It really is. And when I think about these 12 steps and over the last three years of me being here, it's amazing what God does with these steps. And it's beautiful to see how God's plan of salvation is woven all through it. It really is. And I think that's why it's so beneficial to people. It proves that God's plans are not rules. They're not barriers. But in reality, they are the keys that unlock the doors of bondage in our life. God's plans produce freedom, not restriction. And the steps do the same. I remember walking in one time and thinking, I gotta do all these things. That means I can't do all this other stuff I used to like. But that's not what the steps do. They produce a freedom, a freedom that we inwardly long for. And we'll, we'll talk about that more. But step two, again, says that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. And the principle is this, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. And so we're gonna use an acrostic, and you may have heard this before, maybe you haven't, but regardless, I pray that God refreshes your heart and mind tonight. So we're gonna hop right into it, and the H in hope stands for higher power. We believe, I believe, that person, that higher power to be Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.1, an incredible verse says, for freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus has come to set us free from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of addiction, from the bondage of religion, the bondage of whatever it is that seeks to hinder us. Why did he do this? 
because of God's great love for you, because of God's great love for me. I said the 12-step process has God's plan of salvation woven all through it, and it really does. Step one said, admits that we are powerless, unable to control our lives because it's unmanageable. And the first step of, of receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior is admitting that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's nothing I can do to rid my life of sin. But God's plan of salvation in the person of Jesus Christ allows that to take place. The same person who restores us to sanity is the same person who cleanses my life of sin. He died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and rose from the dead, proving that he has the ability to overcome my sin, to overcome our addictions, and restore us to a proper relationship with God, which is true sanity. Our higher power brings freedom. And you may be thinking, hey, Ben, you know, that kind of makes little sense. Can you say more about that? And yes, I can. Okay, I got three letters left. The O in hope is for openness to change. And I like this point. I really, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. <laughs> Step two says that we came to believe, and it's a process. And I talked about this a little while back, but it is a process. And you know what? God's not, he's not afraid of our process. He's not afraid of the questions that we have, the hurts that we have. And he doesn't rush us all the time. Some days he does, but many days he doesn't. He allows us to question things and to say, why? How could you do such a thing? And that's the beauty of God. He's got big shoulders. He allows us to even wrestle with the question, can God really restore me to sanity? Is Jesus truly the one who restores us in his death, burial, and resurrection? And I pray that you guys would think deeply about those questions. Even for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, maybe even for a short time, we believe that Jesus has saved us from our sins, but we still may be bound up in a life of do's and don'ts and expectations that others may have of us. I think... Um, of this freedom, and it says, for freedom he has set you free, don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. What's interesting about our relationship with Jesus is that we often bring all of our life into it. Um, all of our learned life into the relationship with God. Just as when we get married, when I got married, uh, I brought all of my learned life into my marriage with my wife, okay? The way I dealt with hurts, the way I dealt with unmet expectations, the way I dealt with fear, guilt, and it wasn't always great. And I had to realize that, man, I got to change a lot of things in my life. In the same way, how we view life, relationships, forgiveness, pain, hurts, is brought into our relationship with the Lord. And therefore, we project upon God many times that which is not true of him. Perhaps you had to work hard for approval while you were growing up. Therefore, we think we need to work for God's approval and that would go against what Galatians 5.1 says, right? For freedom, he set us free. And I think of Romans 5.8, it says, but God shows his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Just a fantastic verse. And this means while you were a wreck, or well, maybe not want to hear, while I was a wreck and selfish, he died for me. Not when I had my life all together. That means when I was at my most unlovable, 
That is when Jesus loved me the most. That's a pretty amazing thing when you think about it. We came to believe. It is a process of understanding who God is and how he brings freedom to us. When we're at church, you know, people talk about God and uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and some people may, may wonder, how do all those things work together, those titles and those people? Are they the same? What's going on? Why do we pray to God and then say in Jesus' name and say, Spirit, work in our life? It's a process of understanding all of that. Just like it's a process of understanding how these steps begin to unlock freedom and sanity, sanity to our lives. God the Father had a plan of salvation for us it was accomplished by his son, Jesus Christ. And the spirit illuminates or reveals to our mind and our heart the great love of the father and the sacrifice of Jesus. They are all God and they all point to each other. It's a process of our hope moving from a verb to a noun. And that's the last I'll say of verbs and nouns, okay? From our faith being in our circumstances to our faith being rooted in the person of Christ. I appreciate the big book, page 44 says, to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is or she is means disaster. It may seem so far-fetched for some of us, right? To believe in someone who lived a perfect life, who died on a cross, was buried in a tomb for three days, and then rose from the dead, conquering life and conquering sin. It may seem impossible, unbelievable to you. But to continue as you are may mean far more disaster. But to be fair, we have believed things that are even, or I have believed things that are even more unbelievable than that. I used to think that when I drink, I'm able to communicate better to my wife. <laughs> I used to think that if my wife would stop bothering me about my drinking, then I'd be able to take care of it. I thought it helped me to be more likable. We have thought of... Others would just stop bothering us about a problem. It would go away and we could figure it out on our own. We may have thought if we live our life a certain way and take care of someone a certain way, then they're going to love us like we want them to love us. I'm not sure where each of you guys find yourself tonight, but let me encourage you, if you're thinking about this Jesus thing, this higher power thing, this God, this Holy Spirit, all these things that we're talking about, maybe just say something like this tonight. Say, God, you know what? To the best of my ability right now, I'm gonna give this step a chance and these steps a chance. To the best of my ability right now, I believe that I need you, that I'm a sinner, and that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection wipes away the sin in my life and allows me to be the person you want me to be? Would you come into my life and make me the person you want me to be? And just say, God, to the best of my ability right now, that's what I believe because this is a process. And God will meet you there. He's not afraid of your questions. And if you find yourself in that spot, can I challenge you or encourage you? Encourage you, maybe not challenge you. Your sponsor can do that. Let me encourage you to tell someone, maybe someone you came with, say, you know what? I told God, you know what, God? I'm gonna, I'm believing to the best of my ability right now. 
Tell your friend. Tell me. Tell Pastor Scott. Someone. Moving on to the letter P in hope. It stands for power to change. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. As we place our hope in Jesus Christ as our higher power, we then have the power to change. Okay? God works in you to produce the desired outcome that he desires. He makes us into the person he wants us to be. And through working the steps, you will begin to see and notice how God is working. Maybe you will, right? You may not notice it at first, and you may have to ask someone, how is God working in my life? How many times did I say to my sponsor, when is God going to do something? Ask someone to point it out. He is the power to change. Throughout centuries, on different continents, through different languages and customs, people have claimed that Jesus Christ has changed their life. Since 1939, I believe it is, people have been working these steps and they have had the power to change. A power that did not come from themselves, but I believe that comes from Christ. It is God who works in you. We may struggle at understanding some days because we're not looking for it. We may have never seen it, but he is working. He is working. And the last letter goes right along with it of E. Um, it says, expect to change. And this is when I was studying for this, I was like, man, I don't know if we should even expect to change. Because as I talk with people, and even in my own life, one of the biggest things that people may have problems with are expectations. It's why I have problems so many times because I have expectations of others. You have expectations of being here tonight. You may have an expectation of me tonight. I'm sure I, I'm sure I met, I'm sure I did not meet that expectation. <laughs> we do, it's our human nature to expect things of other people. And we're saying expect to change. And the reason being is because we know the God who's changed our life. I know the God that's changed my life. Therefore, I can say to you, expect to change. Expect it to happen. And that may be the hardest step in placing our hope in him. Because you're expecting it to happen. And far too often in our life, and why we find ourselves in these rooms some days, why I find myself, is because of all the unmet expectations that we've experienced in life. For an example, we say in church, and sometimes even here, or we, when we're praying, we say, we say, God, our Heavenly Father. And when we say that, some of us have a hard time. Because our earthly fathers were never around, and they never met our expectations. But let me tell you tonight, okay? God is perfect in all his ways. He is what our fathers on earth lacked. And he far exceeds what even we would call the great fathers on earth. He far exceeds that. Expect him to change their life to be there for you. Philippians 1.6 says this. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, God, through Jesus Christ, sacrificed for us, he who began a good work in your life will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He does the changing and he changes as he sees fit. How does he do it? Through time and hard work, through working the steps. Through working the steps. 
We take a look at what our life has been all about. We take a look at our life and say what may need to change. And then we ask God to do the work. What we are really doing, we're really saying, God, would you be the good surgeon in changing my life? From ridding us from the cancer of sin, from the cancer of addiction, from the cancer of control that we seek to place on others. But trusting God as the good surgeon is a big, big step. Because the job of a surgeon is an invasive one, isn't it? My wife watches shows with my son at times, and they watch these ones, and sometimes they'll do operations, and I just can't watch it. I close my eyes every time they start cutting and doing stuff and removing things. I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine that really taking place. But God needs to be a good surgeon in our life. He needs to cut things out of our life at times, right? And when he does that, it can cause pain. It can cause hurts. Healing is needed. Recovery time is needed. But he will bring the work to completion. And I love this part, and I'm almost gonna wrap it up here in a second. When he says he brings it to completion, that word is so vast. When we think of completion and celebrate recovery, it's not just finishing a step study. It's not going through the last step. Um, it's not just this, this sanity. We are hoping that our addiction no longer has control over us, right? That we no longer live in response to another person. We may th- might think it just might mean right now, but this completion is so much bigger than that. It speaks of fullness today, but it also speaks of a future fullness insanity that God has designed us for. Every human being, I believe, has this longing for this utopian life, right? For things to all work together, where they just seem to click. That's why we turn to drink, to drugs, pornography, gambling, food control, because we're longing for sanity, for things to work as we think they should. And it's a God-given trait. It's how we're supposed to be. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has set eternity in the human heart, meaning we have an innate understanding that all things are supposed to work together for some good. And they're working together for the good of God the Father, right? We see it in everything you do, science, philosophy, theology, human understanding. We're looking for the how and why it all fits together. And when God begins to do his good work, right, as the good surgeon, he begins to unveil why things are happening in our life. I didn't see that until about two years after I walked through these doors. I remember going, I get it. This is why God allowed me to be found out. And you may be right at the beginning going, I hate that I've been found out. You know what? God's going to do his good work. Place your hope in him and you will see the miracles happen. But as God does his work, we can celebrate the recovery. And isn't that incredible? When I was studying, I'm like, hey, that's the name of the ministry I go to, Celebrate Recovery. We can celebrate recovery. It's an appropriate name for a ministry, Celebrate Recovery, because we're celebrating that God is the good surgeon and that he's doing a good work in our life. But it's painful and it hurts some days 
And this is a place where we can find that recovery and that time for healing, which is also necessary. Step two says that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. It is a step of hope. Sanity is possible, I believe, because of Jesus Christ, our higher power. He is that source of hope. So in a moment, we're gonna stand and say the serenity prayer, but let me challenge you with the focus question, and it's pretty simple, just two parts. Number one, what or who is your hope placed in right now? When you take a deep, honest look at your life, is it someone? Is it you? Is that where your hope is placed in? I don't know. What or who is your hope placed in right now? And how is that working for you? All right, let's stand. We'll close with a serenity prayer, and then we'll head to our open share groups. God, grant serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen. Woo! Have a great night. Open share.